I'm Jill Shaw, and you're listening to Last Night at School Committee. Ross Wilson and I are here to summarize for you what happened last night during the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. Last night lasted just over five hours, and the big news was a unanimous vote in favor of a change in the exam school's admission policy. That, it seemed, as the night came to a close, no one actually understood. But we'll get to that in a minute. Good morning, Ross. Good morning, Jill. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Not doing really well. Thank you. Um, so yes, Jill, so the night started with the superintendent's report, which included an update on summer school, which, as you recall, had been positioned to the school committee over the course of several meetings as the solution that would ensure that every student had a plan for summer. And yet, Dr. Casilius's presentation suggested that the district fell short on meeting this goal. Chairwoman Robinson had this question. If I remember back to the beginning of the conversations around summer opportunities, we were offering many more um, opportunities. And right now you're saying that we've had about 12,000 folks sign up with approximately maybe 90%. So about what, uh, 10,000 of folks showing up um, in general at this moment, but we have 50,000 students. So my question is, what do we understand about what is or isn't happening for many of our students this summer? And the superintendent had this response. Yeah, one, one reason, Ms. Robinson, that I think is um, a challenge for parents is one, just the overall pandemic. I think there's still hesitation um, to come out um, and to be in programs. And they're starting to hear about, um, you know, on the news media about programs and COVID still out there. Um, I think some parents are still hesitant because their children are unvaccinated. So they're not signing up as much, you know, so that's a similar kind of concern that they had. Another thing that we heard actually, as we talked to parents about ESSER is about the transportation. And so I'm gonna look into that. I made a commitment to parents to look into transportation. Um, you know, they, they uh, are asking for transportation during the summer. Um, for all students, not just students who uh, get uh, dis who have disabilities. So um, I want to be able to look into that. Um, so I think that's a barrier. And then um, they are also really concerned, and this is also what parents told us in the ESSER conversation, they want before and after care because our programs run for about five hours and they want to be able to go to work and um, have the children there all day. And so uh, part of that is also uh, before and after care. So we'll be looking into that too as a part of um, ESSER. And we are looking uh, for feedback on that plan. Um, so I'm really anxious for, for the public to give us feedback on what our final investments will be. So it sounds like by the end of the summer, the superintendent might have a handle on why the summer program didn't work out the way that it was proposed. Yes, I mean, Jill, who, who knows? But, but it is... Um... It is really concerning that the superintendent is, is saying, well, we're going to try to figure out transportation or figure out what's going on with not being able to enroll students in the summer program when only 10,000 of our 50,000 students are showing up to summer programs on a regular basis. And she doesn't have any answers. And, and, and this has been, I mean, I can't tell you, Jill, it, it, you know, we've been talking about this for months and months and months. Right. And now we're in July. So, yeah, maybe by next year um, we'll have a plan for how to do summer school well. And get it right. Also, Jill, we've been asking on this podcast questions about hiring for a number of months because typically we hear a report about how many vacancies there are for next year and how many teachers have been hired. Well, finally, last night, we heard a report from the superintendent 
that a little over 600 positions have been filled with about 107 positions remaining to be filled for next year. Mm. About less than 200 of these hires um, were from outside of the school system. So that means that most of the people hired in positions were already in their positions or there was just some internal shuffling of teachers. It will be important to fill the remainder of the 107 positions as soon as possible because we're just weeks away from starting a new school year. Yeah, that's a good point. And then, Ross, there was this strange exchange between Chairwoman Robinson and the superintendent where the superintendent's answer seemed to suggest that she didn't see herself as part of BPS, but rather as an observer of a district by way of Minneapolis. Is there an opportunity for students who to go and see what a day in the life of the BLA or be, you know, be whatever is versus just, you know, trying to get into one of them? Monica, can you speak to uh, school choice and school choice fair? And if there is any shadowing, I know in my previous experience as a, as a high school superintendent in Minneapolis public schools, we had a very extensive um, open house process and shadowing um, for students. And also we had step-up programs from eighth grade to ninth grade um, uh, transitionary programs. Um, Monica, do you want to speak to what Boston does? The only significant matter of the evening was the vote on the superintendent's proposal for a new exam school entrance policy. The superintendent had made a presentation, which was different in many ways from what the task force had recommended in the meeting prior. And so, just before the vote, Mr. D'Arugio said that he would vote yes, but asked that the committee get clarity on the differences between the recommendation and the superintendent's actual proposal. That's the extent that what we're voting on is different from the, the task force's policy. And I know there's some, some changes that we're supportive of that the superintendent and team can report back to us yes. on, on that uh, within, you know, by, by September, I don't know if it's by the September meeting, I don't know if that folks are agreeable to that, um, just, just on those changes in, in, in particular. And then the chair asks if the vote needs to be changed to accommodate Mr. DiRoggio's request and Vice Chair O'Neill responds. Do we need to change the vote to include that or can we um, just say that that will be pro forma? My, my, my assumption now, would be- Madam Chair, may I just, um, sure. mm -hmm. just give a, a, a piece of advice on that as the okay. chair sets the agenda. Um, and this is quite frankly, very routine from past task force recommendations and implementation as the superintendent works through implementation and sometimes things need policy. And so I think um, Mr. DiRuscio has a suggestion that the superintendent just said should be glad to. So it, it simply means you just put it on the agenda. At a we put it on the agenda at every meeting. And then Mr. DiRuscio and Chair Robinson have this exchange about documenting what they need to better understand. Uh, yes. And if I may suggest the, the September meeting, so right before, you know, this is going to be, you know, fully implemented for the coming, for the coming year. Right. So we would like an update on those particular issues at the September meeting. Yeah, the, the difference between um, the task force recommendation and then the, the plan that we're voting on tonight. So are you talking, can, can you be a bit more specific in terms of what the pieces are that you're interested in having the update on, just so we're clear? Sure, I, I think you know, Vice Chair O'Neill highlighted it earlier uh the, the the change on the 50 percent to the 40 percent right. and the impact there yeah, just wanted to be clear um, yeah and then um um i 
I can I can submit for the record kind of those pieces. And I, I, I just think that, you know, especially given public comment, we've heard that some, some of those changes, we just want to make sure that they're going to have the impact that we're that we're intending. And uh, so you, I assume that, you know, post tonight, um, the district and us will probably hear uh, as families react more, you know, more clearly um, uh, on those uh, on those changes. So. And then Jill, they all voted yes on the proposal. But not until after they heard public comment, which came in five forms. There were those who supported an unproposed policy based on what they described as merit and to which many thought we would return after a one-year pause on the policy due to the pandemic. This policy was suspended in year of 2021 to 22 due to pandemic. And it was promised this policy would be resumed after this year. That code policy was supposed to use temporarily for just one year. But this zip code policy was very controversial and not constitutional. Now, similar policy is introduced. Nobody cares to keep the original promise to resume the merit-based admission policy. There were those who supported one of the original task force proposals using 100% economic tiers to place students. I'm here as a graduate of BLS from the class of 2019. My parents put a large amount of time, effort, and money into getting me into the school. Had the task force's 100% recommendation been in place when I was applying, I'm not sure if I would have gotten in, but I'm okay with that. Now, I'm grateful for the opportunities I had at BLS and the education I received there, but I also know that because of the resources my family has, I had other options for my high school education that would have landed me in a very similar position to where I am today. There were those who pointed out to the school committee that this was the first day that they and members of the Boston community were hearing of this new proposal from the superintendent. I actually do not believe in complaining without offering solutions. So what is the solution here is here for the first time, we have $400 million that we can use to help fund disadvantaged students. These students uh, should be given tutors, educational tools, to help them level the playing field and let them compete in an equivalent fashion. There's a lot of talk about uh, white privilege. You are seeing the face of white privilege. I'm a brown individual with a name Raul Uppet who was born in Mexico. So I ask that you delay the vote for three specific reasons. One is that 1700 parents do not believe in this. Two is um, the current grade only solution with no exams means that the current parents will force teachers to give them good grades. And so what will happen is there'll be so many students that will be eligible and will be competing. So many students this year will have A's and B's and will be competing. It'll be a mess trying to determine who can get in and who cannot get in. And then three, the main reason is that in reality, this is the first public presentation of this thing. And and, uh, to push it forward and vote for it when the public doesn't know about it is not fair. And there were those who were concerned about the actual proposal because they had already run their own simulations and found that, by their calculations, five BPS elementary schools, all parochial and private schools, and most METCO student applicants will have zero chance of getting into any of the exam schools. Um, I just want to start off by saying that this um, extra points, 10 and 15 extra points, puts whole schools, whole schools, where nobody would get in. 
whole schools in the city. Um, the Allegheny, the Elliott, the Manning, the Kilmar, the Linden, um, Collegiate, um, Medco, and mostly everybody from private and parochial schools. You are eliminating a whole sector of the city. That, that group totaled 676 kids last year. That's 40%. 40% you're saying you don't get any points. So there's no possibility, even with 100, people are going to get higher scores than you. How can that be fair in Boston to say you pay your taxes, but you have zero chance? Finally, during public comment, there were expressions of worry about Boston politics interfering in how we educate students in the Boston public schools, including this reminder of what was happening in the city before the pandemic hit. Superintendent Casilia shared some positive, some would argue impressive numbers from 2019. They were the scores, ranks of BPS students in key subjects. These numbers supposedly revealed the strength of Boston Public Schools vis-a-vis -vis other school districts. Here I have to play the role of reality and knock on Superintendent Caselius's front door. In early March of 2020, many looked at BPS as a school district in crisis. Indeed, several months prior, the state had ordered BPS to ramp up improvements, to ramp up efforts to improve nearly three dozen low-performing schools. At a later date in March of 2020, there was talk of state intervention. There was reportedly no coherent strategy to ameliorate these low-performing schools. Further, the state's review revealed, and I quote, approximately one-third of the district students, 16,656, attend schools ranked in the bottom 10% of the state. Ross, this was tremendous public comment. In the end, the commenters who spoke about this as being a new proposal were correct. The task force's version of 100% was off the table, 80-20 was off the table, and in the end, the school committee asked the superintendent to clearly explain at the next meeting what was different about her proposal. So we've discussed it internally, and here's our take on it. Yes, Jill. So there was about 52 or, or so public commenters, and, and I think that was a great summary of, of what we heard last night. Um, ultimately, Jill, the, the recommendation by the superintendent had five distinct changes that were from, from the task force's final recommendation. The first change was she recommended using 100% rank within socioeconomic tiers rather than the 80% socioeconomic tiers and 20% citywide rank which means that the top 20% of performers across a district do not automatically get first position in choosing a school. The second distinct change the superintendent recommended was using a baseline of 40% or more students living at or below the poverty level at a school rather than the 50% proposed by the task force to provide 10 bonus points to those, to those students who, are, who go to those schools. This means that those providing public comment were correct. Some BPS schools and nearly all private parochial and MECO students who do not go to a school with 40% or more students living at the poverty level will not have a chance of gaining admission to an exam school. And the third distinct change is that the superintendent's proposal is recommending adding an eighth socioeconomic tier rather than the, seventh, the seven tiers previously proposed by the task force. We are not totally sure of the impact of this. However, BPS has said they will provide more information in the fall on the impact.
The fourth change was that the superintendent is recommending that they eliminate the use of A plus and only use A's moving forward. The only caution here is that there certainly could be lobbying by families for straight A's, and there is a potential for a number of ties by condensing grades by eliminating A pluses. And the last change the superintendent recommended was that was different than the task force was setting a baseline for a B minimum to qualify for an exam school C. Previous analysis provided by the school district has shown that those students who um, enter an exam school with a B have a higher probability of dropping out of an exam school. In, in fact, data show that about one-third of students who gain entry with a B dropped out. The district will really have to pay a lot of attention to how to support students who enter into exam schools to ensure that they have the, the appropriate supports to succeed right through um, their senior year. Jill, the result of these changes or simulations based on the new criteria were not made public. All the previous simulations that were run were run using 50% or more school-based poverty level and using the old IC test as a, sim as a simulation. So in fact, you know, we have no real idea about the changes the superintendent made just in the last few days uh, to this proposal or the impacts on schools or students in our city. I mean, it's really curious, right, that the school committee didn't insist in, on seeing simulations before calling for a vote, given that that was just kind of normal process for the five months that the task force was meeting, is that when they had an idea, they would simulate it and review it, and then they would, it was just part of their process. So I'm surprised that the school committee didn't insist on seeing simulations before well, there, the there, last night. There was a tremendous process, um, a, a very public process, a process that um, enabled all of us to pay close attention to what was happening and to, and to have public debate around yeah. what should happen. Right. Um, and then, you know, very at the very end here, in the last few days, a number of things shifted um, and the data wasn't made public. Yeah. And I think that's a real concern. Yeah. Uh, Jill, let me, you know, let me just make one more comment about the proposal that was um, um, voted on last night. Ultimately, the bonus points will be the differentiator between who is invited or not into an exam school. Right. So the maximum number of points students can receive will either be 115 points or 110 points from a number of students. Right. While students who are not in a school with 40% or more poverty will only be able to score 100 points in the maximum. This could change the composition of the exam schools, which currently exist of about 50% of students from feeder schools outside of BPS. And we believe a number of them may not be 40% or more um, students in poverty. Right. And a significant um, number of students from the five BPS schools that also don't have 40% uh, or more students in poverty um, will no longer qualify for access to the exam schools. I am sure if BPS does not run the simulations on this, uh, many others will, and they'll be made public over the next few days. And so knowing that they didn't know what they didn't know and hearing a range of support for task force proposals that weren't ultimately on the table, but no support from the public for the superintendent's last minute proposal, the school committee voted one by one, yes, in support of this historic policy change. Dr. Coleman? Yep. Mr. DeRugio? Yes. Mr. Tran? Yes. Mr. O'Neill? Yes. Ms. Robinson? Yes. Motion is approved unanimously. And that's what happened last night at the Boston Public Schools School Committee meeting. We have no further questions at this point. 
However, we would encourage any listeners to email school committee members their feedback about the actual new exam school policy. It'll be important to hold them accountable. We will post their email addresses in our blog. Thank you for listening to Last Night at School Committee. We hope that you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you did, please rate, review, like, and share it with your fellow friends, parents, and residents of Boston. We all have a stake in the future success of Boston students. Have a great day.